Hey everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it is indeed time again for my mom. You know her as Bonnie Tatey, and so do I, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the Star Wars TV series, The Mandalorian. Ooh, let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm fine. My life is good. I uh, On Sunday, I watched one quarter of the Patriots game, and then it was back on kid duty, and uh, kids, 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 all the way through bedtime, and I'm just finishing up bedtime, and all day... I'm just thinking, at least I got the football game at the end. That's sort of the pin at the end of my day. Right. Uh, can't, you know, can't, everything else is easier because of that, you know? Like, bedtime's yeah. dragging on. Leo is having a little medical procedure later this week, and I'm sort of, Anna and I have been talking to him about that and assuaging his nervousness. It's very minor, nothing big, but he does have to be put under for it, so it's kind of stressful. And he's nervous about going to the doctor, and so he's asking me a lot of questions about that. And as this is going on, I get a text from Dad spoiling the end of the football game. And that, that really is not like Dad, though. I, I I know. Well, the funny thing is, is that like you know, I'm off the internet. I'm not on Twitter. I even I put my phone on Do Not Disturb, which means that there's three people who can get through to me. Like there's a list of people who can penetrate the Do Not Disturb right. wall. It's Anna, you, and Dad. Um, right. And dad has now been taken off that list. <laughs> what did dad say exactly? Eat shit, eagles. Well, that's a quote from you. Yeah, I know. It, that only rubbed salt in the wound. No, I don't think that tells the outcome, though. Oh, maybe it does. Well, yeah, I guess it does. The victors don't typically have to eat shit. Right, right. Not really a victory right. meal. Yeah. I'm sitting there on the bed after I get this text and Leo says to me, what's wrong, daddy? Which just made me feel like a total ass because here he is worried about his first, you know, medical procedure in his life. And my face is I'm sure my face was just like ashen uh, having had this game ruined for me. Um, But um, his is really the uh, reasonable stress, let me say. All right. Well, in the season of Thanksgiving, let's forgive Dad. Yeah, I'll I'll forgive him. Thanksgiving, maybe around that time, I'll be ready to forgive. Okay. Him. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, in other news, mm. apparently, this podcast. Now that we are so famous and broadcast all over the place, now we can't talk about anybody in the family anymore. Merrick got his new job, and yeah. he calls me and says, "You got to be careful what you say now." Because two of our two sister listeners that we have work for his company. And he says, so now you can only say nice things about me. (laughs) How funny. Um, Merrick has a new job. I think you mentioned it last week on the air. Merrick, one of my two older brothers. Um, And there's two pop mom listeners at the new company. Yeah. Well, one and a sister. Her sister, I don't believe, works for the company. Uh, I see. I see. Still. Jill and her sister, yeah. Small world. So now I guess Gretchen and Merrick would... <laughs> right, if you weren't listening last week or the week before, I got in a little trouble with my mother-in-law for telling what I thought was a perfectly innocent story. But I realized afterward, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to picture how it feels on the, for the person on the other end. I try to keep that in mind, but... Um, yeah. 
So I had to, you know, eat a little crow the next week and uh, apologize a little half-heartedly, but apologize nonetheless to Gretchen. Uh, and now we have to be on our guard and never slander Merrick. You know, it's tough. If his right. name was John, like me, he'd have plausible right. deniability. But m- there's not that many Merrick Tatys in the world. However, I guess we can we just say your brother, and then it could be Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Except you never have any stories about Matt. No, we don't. We rarely have a story about Matt. Um, so I just wanted to tell you about that, because I found that that's absolutely awesome. hilarious. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um my fr- and I and these are the three things that I wanted to tell you. Mm. Um, I'm going to start three off with things. this one. This wow! Okay, it's okay. a veritable bounty today. Go. Yes. Of interactions with people <laughs> on Sunday or Saturday, I can't remember now. On one weekend day, we went out, and there was a dog that I recognized, and he lives up the street, and I wasn't positive it was him, but I was pretty sure. And he was kind of roaming around the post office. And so I went, I said to dad, drive me over across the street to Kristen's house. And I knocked on the door and I said, um, Kristen, is that your dog running up and down the street? And she said, Oh, did he, is he running over there? And I said, well, yeah. So she comes out and yells for him and he finally comes to the door and she says to me um he doesn't live here full time which what the dog doesn't yeah Yeah, the dog doesn't he doesn't live here full time what does he have a place in florida or something (laughs) almost just as good he lives in grantham for part of the time she said, because he lives with my ex-husband. And I said, oh, oh I, I didn't know you were divorced. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. And she said, well, I'm not. We're both happier and blah, blah, blah. And I think, uh, I have no idea what to say to that. Yeah. Uh, well, you could just say good, right? I imagine that's what you said. I didn't. I just said nothing because I was just like, I was just so stunned. I mean, I didn't know she was divorced and, you know, she only lives, what, five houses away. And it's not like I see her all the time, but it's just sort of like the the contract, the social contract, as we talk about, is I'll say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And you'll just say thank you. Maybe, but, uh, you know, when you told me um, you followed up saying, I didn't know you were divorced by, I'm sorry, I thought, mm, I wouldn't have said that. No, what would you have said? I don't think I would have remarked on it at all. I just would have taken the information in. I just would have said, oh. Oh, we'll see you later. That's awkward. No, it's not, because you're talking about the dog. Well, the ex-husband was just sort of a a component of the dog story. Well, you know, really, the the real problem was is that she's letting her dog run around the (laughs) street. That's the real issue. That's true. That is the real issue. Maybe that's why they got divorced. Different (laughs) different standards of uh, dog husbandry. Dog care, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was very um, awkward. Dog ex-husbandry, as the case may be now. Um, 
yeah, I think I think I wouldn't say I'm sorry. I wouldn't remark on it at all. I think that's the new social contract. I wish somebody would write a book because it's really getting tough. It's I'm serious. It really is getting tough. Well, I don't think you did anything untoward, and clearly she didn't take offense. Like, she didn't walk away in a huff, right? Well, she didn't, but, you know, how about me? I had to get in the car and laugh hysterically because I felt so awkward. Because Dad has no idea what's going on, and I'm just embarrassed, so I'm laughing, and it's ridiculous. Well, I think when she said, I'm, I'm not sorry, and all that, you could have said, oh, good. Well, I'll be better prepared, but, you know, that's, Probably the first time I've run into that. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, I think divorce is not necessarily a trauma. Or, I mean, I think it typically is, but I think that, you know, she sounds like she's moved on. Yeah. And so I can understand why she reacted that way. She doesn't want your pity, you know? That seems to be the sound of it to me. Right. But for me, I've just heard this, so I need a mourning period, even though I didn't know her husband. You need you need a mourning period. Oh, a mourning. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You, yes, a mourning. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let me move on. Okay. Okay. So we, we go to the drugstore, where I'm getting I forget tape, a prescription and tape. Okay, this is an exciting story already. Yeah. I went in, looked at all the Christmas candy. Boy, there's nothing new, I'll tell you. And um, <laughs> then I went and got my prescription and uh, came back. And the the new pharmacy is not really designed very well uh, to get to the cash registers. And oh, they redesigned the pharmacy? Have you not been in the new one? I don't think I have. So uh, much has changed. Well, this is really different now. It was pretty clear cut before. Here was a line, here was a line. But now it's all one line and you just go to the to the open cash register. So I get in line and there's two cash registers open and there's two people at them. And so I'm waiting and waiting. And then this elderly woman comes up and steps right in front of me to which I think, what the hell, that I don't say anything. And then a line comes open, and she goes up to the register and says, you got my batteries back there? So she came into the store and picked out batteries and then went back and got her Depends and Dulcolax and antacids and all that crap. But I do not think that gives her access to the line again without waiting. Wow, that is quite a tactic. I have never heard of this before. So I assume the yeah. batteries are right by the registers, right, as they typically are? Uh, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the special ones are. Maybe so, they all are. I don't know. <laughs> Her tech is to go in, grab a pack of batteries, and leave that at the register, and then come back when she's done all her shopping, and that that pack of batteries has essentially held her place in line? Is that the philosophy? Right. That, right. No, you're right. That is that is totally out of... That's crazy. I mean, I admire the... What's the word for it? Um, chutzpah of it, but um, no. Well, I think that's what gives old people a bad reputation, is that they're just really only thinking of herself. 
stem cells. Well, I don't know that age has anything to do with it. Well, how you know, who would do that? Where would you do that? Nowhere. It is, I mean, I will admit, it does seem like an old person move. Like, I can't, teenagers, 20-somethings, there's jerks of every age, right? Right. Me too. Um, but there's something about this particular tactic that does strike me as elderly. And well, she what has is not, it? You know, she's, all she's done is, is she's brushed past me like I'm not even there and, you know, going about her business. Well, it's all very calculated, too, because I'm sure she didn't, you know, it wasn't sotto voce that she said to the person at the register, oh, do you have those batteries, by the way? Like, it sounds like she broadcasted to let everybody know, here's oh, yeah. why I'm allowed to cut in line, right? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think. So put all your shivs away because uh, I'm I'm legal here. That's, wow. I, uh, again, uh, it takes some brass, but um, you know what makes it um, feel old to me is it's it's got a feel of eh, I just don't give a shit anymore to it. I, I just you too, know, I'm too well, old to care. That's sad because because I would have maybe when I was younger said something to her, but. My feeling was, eh, I don't give a shit. That's what I well, thought. Well, that, that was the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But irritating. You know, it's just another thing to put in the book of what I don't want to be like when I get to that age. Oh, I've got a couple of entries for you. Do you? Yep. We can like discuss what? them off the air, though. Okay. And then here's my here's my next and last thing. Okay. I, I went to um, the store in Concord um, to get bagels with dad the other day. And so I went in to get a pair of knitting needles because I split one of mine. And I, while I was there, I thought I would get a sting, uh, a hank of red yarn and green yarn, and they didn't have any green yarn. So, you know, all right, no big deal. I go up to the register. They say, did you find everything you were looking for today? And I said, well, no, you don't have any green yarn back there, green cotton yarn back there. And she says, huh. And I just <laughs> think, why do, you, why do they ask that question? If, you know, why do they even ask that question? Yeah. That's what I find irritating. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not like you're saying, you're not, and, and like you're not saying, yes, I couldn't find the Lay's potato chips. You know, which they always have, and she could say, "Oh, that's an aisle." Obviously, I looked around and there couldn't find what I wanted. Who who is that helping? Did you find everything you were looking for? Who is that meant for? Yeah, you know, I've wondered what they'll. I've never answered that question with anything other than "yup," even when it's not true, right? Um, right. Right. No, you know, now that I say that, I can think of a couple of times, like at the computer store where I couldn't find something I wanted and they did help me out. Um, so, mm. but usually that, that question is, I'm not, even if I didn't find anything, I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. Um, and this, huh. this. I like huh. that. I wonder if that's how they're trained to answer that. Huh. Yeah. Uh, well, it is Good kind answer. of, it's kind of like the, um thing that the uh, chat bots or even the people who are going from a script um, on the phone will say, like, while I look this up for you, how's your day going? 
And it's just yes. like, I know you don't yes. care. And I don't care that you don't care. Can we just conduct business here? But, right. um, I mean, I'm friendly with people on the phone. And, you know, if they ask me how, when someone asks me how I am, I tell them, and then I say, how are you doing? And the person, the person on the other end of the line, wherever they're calling from or if I'm calling them, they're always kind of shocked that I say that, that I, they're always like, Thank you so much for asking. You know, the credit card company, uh, doing some business with them. I'll say, how are you doing back? But that's the extent of my small talk, pretty much. By the time I get to talk to somebody at the credit Uh, card company, all I want to do is kill them. Because you have to go through all those robotic, click this number, press your birthday, press your social security number. You know, it's it's maddening, and none of it it's ever maddening. none of it ever matters, Mom. Because then you get and you have to say it all over again. That's doesn't that drive you the crazy the most? That's what kills me. Yeah, As I go through all, I give them all my data, and then the computer just apparently forgets that. Yeah, like I think maybe the computer has its own agenda. <laughs> most computers do these days, it seems. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I get grumpy at this time of the year. Mm. Insert your own joke here. Uh, or I just expect more of people. I, if you want to help me, help me. And if you don't, don't pretend that you want to. Yeah. Well, they're ordered to pretend, though. That's that's the thing. You know, it's kind of like um, Anna took me out uh, for lunch for my birthday, and uh, like 15 seconds after the, uh, not the server, but... I don't know what they call the person who sometimes um, brings the plates out separately. There's a word for that. Runner, maybe. I don't know. But someone else brought the plates out and put them down, and then our server comes by, and, and he says, uh, he like starts to say, how is everything, and then sees that we haven't even had a chance to take a bite, and says, oh. how's everything looking? And I just looked up at him and said, well, it looks okay. Like, what do, what do you want me to tell you? Like, it's... You like the decor? Maybe it would be better in red or... Well, I mean, my meal is what I ordered. I guess that's as much as I could... As far as I could tell, this is the the food that I ordered. (laughs) Thank you very much. And if you want to come back after I've had a chance to eat some of it, great. I'll talk to you then. Yeah, well, there's somebody that cannot think on their feet. Well, (laughs) I think he did a good job to switch mid-sentence to how's everything looking. Um, So... Well done there. Or how but, about yeah. how's everything smelling? Maybe even that's better. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, how's that how, smelling? How's the aroma? <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough world, I guess, and uh, not everybody's really trying to please me. Well, most people, as I've said on the podcast before, most people are just trying to get through the goddamn day. Um, you know, so I think that's what a lot of this is. Someone told some manager told them to ask this question to ever of everyone. Did you find everything? And so they ask it. Um, but I do feel <laughs> like at the yarn store, like, uh, I mean, it's not well, like you it were asking. A yarn store. It was it was Joanne Fabrics. Well, still, I mean, it's not like yarn is this crazy foreign product for them. Right. Like it's their stock in trade. Right. right. Um, I don't think it was an outlandish um, implicit request. Anyway, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on okay. all of them, except kind of not with you on the divorce one a little bit. Right, because you you, you look at that differently. Yeah. Uh, I'll be ready for the next time somebody says, though, I'm not. That's it. You're ready the next time. That was my first time, you know, so 
it was uh, a little startling. Uh, shall we move on to our review? We should. Okay. This week, Mom and I are talking about The Mandalorian. <laughs> As the mega corporations of the entertainment industry divide our culture into a balkanized landscape of competing streaming services, they each need flagship exclusives to attract subscribers. For the new Disney Plus streaming service, one of those big crowd pleasers is The Mandalorian, the first live action series set in the Star Wars universe. The show is a return to Star Wars roots as a so-called space western, and accordingly its title character is a solitary bounty hunter played by Pedro Pascal, who roams the galaxy in search of his next lucrative quarry. Here's a clip in which the Mandalorian meets a sinister character, played by legendary film director Werner Herzog, to discuss a shadowy new job for our hero. What else did he say? He said you were the best in the Parsec. No! Drop your weapons! No, 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 pardon. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to alarm. Uh, this is Dr. Pershing. Please excuse his lack of decorum. His enthusiasm outweighs his discretion. Please lower your blaster. Have them lower theirs first. We have you four to one. I like those odds. Mom, after watching The Mandalorian, will the Force be with you? I'm afraid not. No. You watched both episodes that are out? And Daddy did, too. We watched them together. You know, reminds me of Star Wars. Yay. So I guess it attained what it was going for. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is what I think. Why doesn't somebody make a Lisa Frank version of Star Wars, where at least I could see something. I get that it's the apocalypse or before the apocalypse or after the apocalypse or something, but Jesus, can't we have some lighting? <laughs> well, I think you have lighting, but I think their choice is uh, for it to be high contrast and occasionally very dark. It is a well, dark series. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. If you've gone to all this trouble to make the scenery and have the characters, then could I see them? Because really, it could be a puppet show going on for all I know. <laughs> there were a couple scenes where it was very hard to make out what was going on. I'll agree. And we were watching it in a darkened room with, you know... My, uh, I've still got a plasma TV. I know they're old fashioned, but they've got great contrast. And it's the set is backlit. I felt like it was the perfect setup to watch this show, but there were still a couple scenes uh, that were hard to make out. Not all of them, though. Many, many, many of them. Also, I'm, I'm not done. Okay, I hope not. Why? Why does everybody have to have uh, an elephant trunk coming out their back or? You know, have have a face like an anteater, or why can't, what doesn't anybody in the future or the past, I don't know what this is, and I'll say future, but doesn't anybody look like a human being? <laughs> I mean, um, everybody looks like a, a weird Play-Doh disaster. Well, uh, um... 
first of all, it's a galaxy. It's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So it's the past, not the future. But in any case, in the Star Wars universe, let's call it, you know, I think that this series is um, trying to capture a feeling that Star Wars fans might refer to as a cantina vibe. And um, there's a very famous iconic sequence in the first Star Wars where Obi-Wan Kenobi brings Luke Skywalker and the droids to the most yes, I know. I remember it. I sing that song all the you time. You know the song. Okay, you know the Cantina Band song. And that scene is um, iconic for a number... That sequence is iconic for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is that you look around... Um, and the frame is filled with just every sort of creature. And it yeah. really feels like you're at sort of a, a crossroads of the galactic underworld. And, and right. there's people from every corner of the galaxy coming through here. Shady types. Um, there's just so much atmosphere. And this show, right. The Mandalorian, takes that atmosphere and, and makes a whole show out of it, basically. I'm not buying it. I'm that, not buying it. Well, I don't... <laughs> This show obviously wasn't written for me. I mean, I admit that. I, I see yeah. that. But, you know, even why can't we see anybody's face? Can't they breathe without their stuff on? Um, well, I don't know why the Mandalorian wears a mask or everybody in his uh, culture uh, seems to wear a mask. We don't know too much about it yet. Um, he looks a lot like Boba Fett, a famous character from the Star Wars series, also a bounty hunter. So there's some connection there. And I think maybe we saw a glimpse. You know, there was an Easter egg of Boba Fett walking through the background of some scene. There's a lot of right. there's a lot of Easter eggs in this um, show right. for people who are yes, diehard are. fans. Right. But I also think that the mask um, to me, the mask, and they even have, did you see at the beginning of each episode, they have that Star Wars motion logo that's just a bunch of different masks um, from the series, right. right? Right. You know, to me, the mask is in part a symbol of this globalized uh, Star Wars franchise because it's way easier to um, redo the dialogue for a character in a different language if you can't see their lips move. So, right, um, right. You know, and there's other things that are made a lot easier by not having a representation of an actual person um, be the character. Then Disney can do pretty much whatever they want with the character and they don't have to rely on the likeness of an actual actor. Um, so there's a I think there's a marketing reason for this um, motif that goes through all of Star Wars. Um, I agree. It can be a little it creates a little distance, doesn't it? Well, it does. Um, and, and you know, now instead of somebody's face, I have to remember somebody's helmet. And, <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of time to memorize everybody's helmet. It's difficult, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I see. And so my suggestion, if anybody is listening, is to try the clutch cargo mouse because you could use that in any language. The clutch cargo. Now you're going to have to explain that for people who don't know the reference. How would you describe the clutch cargo mouth? The clutch cargo mouth is a face, a cartoon face in this case it yeah. was. Yeah. But uh, the only thing that was animated really was the mouth. And it was dubbed in like a real person's mouth that moved like a mouth moves when they're talking. Yeah. It was very odd looking. 
very distinctive. Clutch cargo is really the only time I've ever seen it used, aside from Conan O'Brien used to have a recurring clutch cargo bit. Probably a little lo-fi for the Star Wars universe, right? Well, I mean, how lo-fi is, is no face? Here's a helmet head. Well, it looks like a million dollars, though. <laughs> yeah, I... Well, let's let's move on to the rest of my stuff in case we want to talk about any of it. Okay, you've got copious notes, I gather. I'm sorry. No, I love it. Yeah, go. So, it says it was created by Jon Favreau. Yeah. Well, which I find ridiculous. He just took some ideas from Star Wars and made... A television show, and he, you know he didn't create this. Well, that's what the creator credit. It only pertains to the show. I get the quibble you're raising, but um, it's a well, creator that's credit. That's a real quibble. Well, I think it's not a reasonable one. That's a that's a Hollywood credit thing, and it also you know it also says based on characters and etc. Created by George Lucas, so it's not like I mean people know who made Star Wars, so. That's a that's a real nitpick. I can't really follow you down that. All right. Road. Well, I, it irritated me. <laughs> Plus, plenty of people have created Star Wars stuff um, that's total crap, including George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars himself. So uh, I do think John Favreau deserves some credit for creating what I think is a good show, but um, you do not. So please continue. Well, I don't think it's a horrible show. I would just like yeah. to be able to see it. <laughs> That is my main well right. Put. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the in this in this show, that's what I meant to yeah. say. Yeah. He's a bounty hunter. The yep. the helmet guy is a bounty hunter. Uh, the Mandalorian. Do you have a name? Oh, the Mandalorian. Well, that's not much of a name. I don't know if we've heard it on the show yet. He does have a name uh, in the lore that's available online. Um, but I don't know that we've heard his name in the show. I think he's What's just his known first as name? What's that? What's his first name? Um, well, let me let me see. I'll see if I can find him. I'm gonna go with Frank. Uh, his name is Din Jaron. Oh. Yeah, or Dine. It's D Y N, Jaron. Okay, so it's all biblical names then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but I don't know if we'll ever hear that. It, it, it just came up in in an interview, is what I'm seeing here. Oh, uh, because really, who who would address him by it? Because who knows who he is? No. Well, you heard one guy um, in the first episode just refer to him as Mando. Um, so I guess yeah. these Mandalorians are. It seems that they're known as legendary bounty bounty hunters, is what I gather. Okay, that makes sense. So he's a bounty hunter. Yeah, and he brings somebody in and he gets, I got a little confused as to what the payment is, but he got a chip of some kind that they melted down and fixed his arm. Yes. He got some special steel. Um, Special steel. Yeah. Okay. So now his next uh, bounty is unknown to him and he travels on and, find somebody that will help him find it. It turns out to be, and now I'm guessing here, Baby Yoda. 
Um, that's what I've been calling it. It's not Yoda, but it's a baby okay. of whatever Yoda is. We've never known what Yoda's species is. Um, so it's a it, baby Yoda, I think, is as good of a term as any. Okay. So uh, uh, this is the most normal part of the whole thing <laughs> for me, because now he's he's used his reward for a new shoulder, and this baby saves his life. Yes. And so now is he going to turn the baby in for the bounty or what? So that was, that was something that I could understand and enjoy. I'll tell you what I did not enjoy was him going into the camp and killing everybody. I'm kind of, I, I have a distaste for that right now. Yeah. I'm just feeling raw. You know, when it comes to stuff like that. You're talking about when he lays waste to that entire encampment and basically everybody's and, Right, dead. that's yeah. right. Okay, yep. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, so and then you see them all, you know, strewn around, and I'm, I'm just not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not open to that right now. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way to say that, do you think? Absolutely, and I, I felt some of the same pangs. Yeah, as as I was um, that shot in particular that you're talking about, and when they have the wide shot with just dead bodies yeah. everywhere, and it's, um, I agree. Maybe five or ten years ago, that would have hit me very differently than it does now. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, I hear you. The, the whole mass shooting thing made that land. Um, I even honestly had a little trouble with all the Jawas dying. I know that's not what you were talking about, but then, you know, it's very comical, this sequence in the second episode where he's blasting um, all these Jawas and they basically disintegrate, right? Um, Right. And they're just in a cartoonish way. Again, it's shot to be fun and silly and it's... and. Fine. Like, I I don't think it's offensive. I don't think it's wrong or anything like that. Just I'm with you. Personally, it hit me a little off. Right. And that was how I I felt. So I just was sort of, uh, I lost, I kind of just, I don't know, turned off a little bit. Yeah, I get it. And, uh, you know, again, we've had another school shooting this week and it's too real to be entertainment. Yeah. I, I realize one is, I mean, it, um, it doesn't probably really make sense because I realized that real life and television are two different things, but maybe it rings the same bell in your mind. I'm, I'm not sure what happens. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, I don't think there's any great mystery. I think you've, uh, I think people understand. But if you like Star Wars, I think, that this is probably something fun to look forward to every week. Um, it's it's not something I love. You know, I, I think I think Star Wars was was quite a brilliant piece when it when it came out. It was really new, and uh, I loved every minute of the original Star Wars. But as with everything in Hollywood. If a little is good, yeah. then too too much is better. So, um, yeah, and maybe I can just say so as someone who likes Star Wars. Look, I was a Star Trek kid growing up, and I always will be. You know, Federation first, but I also like Star Wars. 
as you've said, they've been strip mining Star Wars the past few years. Disney has after they um, pretty quickly after they acquired the property, they fired up this their own Death Star of entertainment. And it's just been so much Star Wars. It used to be a cultural event when there was some new Star Wars thing. <laughs> right. and now it's just like, yeah. oh, OK, it's Wednesday. Um, there's some. Right. right? Um, <laughs> and they've done stuff. You know, I was really enticed when this acquisition uh, first happened by this notion um, uh, that Disney would, uh, in addition to the main movies, they'd be creating stories that take place in the Star Wars universe. And I thought, great, finally, it's an opportunity to experiment with this sort of rich narrative world that's been brought up, but not in such a constrained way. Experiment was Mm. the key word for, for me. And that's what I was hoping to see. Then we saw movies like, I know you didn't see these, I don't think, unless we talked about them on the pod- podcast, but um, Rogue One, uh, fine. A lot of people loved Rogue One, sort of a prequel to the, like an immediate prequel to the first movie. Um, interesting, not bad. Then there was Solo, which was Han Solo's, uh, you know, backstory. Not yeah. a great movie. Yeah. And the problem with Solo in particular was there's these lines that have, that have been made famous over the years in Star Wars. Um, you know, that he's Han Solo made the quote unquote Kessel run in so many parsecs, um, or that he won the uh, Millennium Falcon, his ship, in a game of cards. And in the movie, we see the Kessel run and we see the game of cards. And it's pretty much what you would have imagined. Um, so, any, yeah. it just yeah. takes these tiny little mysteries and explains them in a just unsatisfying sort of here's a dead fish on the table fashion. And I just thought, you know, we didn't really need these lines explained at great length. Um, there was right. a bit of mystery to them. And that's what I was worried and about. we enjoyed that. We enjoyed that. Yes. You don't have, don't, you don't need to explain everything. There's this compulsion in, um, Oh my God. In, I know. In star Wars and in superhero media, just to explain everything to death. And it, I just want to say, no, I don't need it. So I was worried that Mandalorian right. was going to be more of that. Let me tell you, Mom, that second episode, when uh, I'm watching this with my buddies um, who are bigger Star Wars fans than I am, and we're, they come, came over to my house and we watched the first two episodes together, and I'm watching the second episode and with that sequence with the Jawas and going inside their big sand crawler vehicle, and I just turned to them and said, I cannot believe what I'm watching right now because this is what I wanted to see, um, hope to see from that Star Wars experimentation is take us into the world. Yeah, show us a little bit of what the Jawas' life is like, but don't try to stamp out all the mystery. There's still some mystery to these funny little creatures, and we've just gotten another glimpse of them. And to ride in the sand crawler, I felt like I was a kid again. Like, it just was so Uh much fun. It was so much fun. And it was... And I just feel like Jon Favreau understands... Show. Don't explain. Just show us a little more and, you know, explore these nooks and crannies of the universe without this didactic um, intent behind it. Mm. Mm. So that's why I really liked it. I think it's and I think as a Western, you know, the premise of the bounty hunter finding the baby Yoda, like it's cute. It's it's funny at times. Um, I think it's a great setup for this eight episode first season. Well, I will watch um, episode three because then I think we'll really know what direction it's going. Agreed. Agreed. Because we're at the end of episode two and he spends a lot of episode two basically getting his ship back. 
you know, he fights off these mercenaries who ambush him, and then he gets his ship back from the Jawas who took, who dismantled it. Um, all of which, like I said, I found great fun. But now yeah. he's he has some decisions to make, essentially. That's right, and so that's what I want to see. What, where what is going to happen? Because I think that will be the episode that really shows you where this show is headed. Mm. I, I, you know, I understand the first show they're setting up, they're bringing in the characters, and you know, I don't think you should judge it on on the first episode. The second episode was a little more interesting. Yeah, here's some story, but three, I think, is going to really say it. That's what I think. Mm. I think that's uh, I think that's a great perspective. I agree. Uh, you know, I think it's shown a lot of its hand already in the sense that these are going to be vignettes in the space western mode. Like, I don't think mm. I don't think the show is heading toward a really highly serialized epic story. I think there's this thread of the story with the baby Yoda that's going to run through the whole season. But I think that's sort of the spine around which the um, shorter diversions, again, like the trip in the sand crawler, are are hung. They're hung on that spine. Do you hang things on a spine? Well, yeah. you do today. <laughs> well, do you think do you think it's going to be about him bounty hunting different people, different things? Because that could give us some insight into some different areas. I think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be like what you're describing, but I. I would have to guess Baby Yoda is going to be with us for the duration. I have no idea, okay. though. I'm just talking out of my ass right. here. Right. right. It just seems that way. It seems that way. So what is your grade for The Mandalorian? I gave it a C. I gave it a C because I don't C, love Star really? Wars. And I and I and a few of the things rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but, but I will tune in to see where it's going because I do want to know. No, oh, that's not C. That works. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I like I said, I watched it with a bunch of my Star Wars buddies, and um, well, what did they think? Oh, they they loved it. They were over the moon. Um, and <sighs> in fact, at the end of the night, um, Rick said, uh basically said, you guys want to watch it again? And I said, hey, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now get out of my house, is essentially what, what? I said. <laughs> watch it again? Wow. He must have good eyesight. <laughs> I said, he said, I'm going to watch it again. We could all watch it here, or I can go home and watch it. And um, I just said, yeah, I got to go to bed. So get out. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I saw him the next day, and he said he had seen it three more times. Since oh then. no! I thought it was great. I had so much fun. Was I ready to turn around and watch it immediately again? Um, that just gives you an indication, I think, of the different league of fandom we're talking about here. Yeah, most definitely. All right. So, my recommendation for the week, okay, is the Orphan's Tale by Pam Genoff. Uh, I like this book because this was a version uh, talking about the Nazis, which I really am quite fascinated with. And I just admire everyone that came through and just made it through that horror. It's just, it's fascinating to me to read these stories. And this one is, you know, it's, it's taken some facts of a, a circus troupe 
that performed throughout France and um, Germany and whatever, and, and the impact that the Nazis had on the individuals in this traveling circus, which was part true. So interesting to me to see it. Not, not quite as intense, not quite as horrific as some of the books, but still a perspective that is new to me and interesting. Boy, you're really on a Nazi kick lately, huh? I am on a Nazi kick because I think there's a lot of um, books coming out now, and, and maybe they've been around and I just missed them, with different um, perspectives. I mean, the the main story is is pretty much out there, but I guess I got fascinated again with with so many people yeah. coming out of the woodwork saying it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And so I have a new a new interest in it in, in in it just because people are saying it didn't happen and it's it's um, that's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Well, as well it yeah. should be. Um okay. So it's The Orphan's Tale by Pam Jenoff. Interesting one, mom. You got anything else? No. Okay, well, you as I mean, you have provided us a bounty of mom in this episode, so I don't say that as if I'm unsatisfied with your contributions. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, that will do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. Oh, oh this is embarrassing, though. I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I know. I know we can talk about something interesting. Oh, uh, that'll do. That'll do. Okay, so tune in next week for something interesting. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Thanks for your emails and your tweets, by the way. We always love hearing from you. You can reach out to mom and me at popmom at ological.net. That's the letter O, the word logical, a dot, and then the word net. Or the abbreviation net. I'm not sure which, but it's the word net. Uh, um, that's popmom at ological.net. Oh, network, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Or internet. Yeah, sorry. Who knows? Uh, and you can reach me, John Tatey, J-O-H-N-T-E-T-I on Twitter. Mom is Moxie, N-H, M-O-X-I-E-N-H. I know she'd love to hear from you, too. We love you. Oh. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.